This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 343. Working with teams through coaching is such a transformational experience when you can do it the right way and really invite the team into growth, learning, exploration with one another. And that's exactly what my guest does with teams. And she's going to share her secret sauce with us in today's episode. So join us as we build team cohesiveness. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It's really great to have you here and I hope you're having a fabulous week. We have a great show for you today. I'm excited to introduce you to Dr. Ellen Zimmerman. Ellen's sweet spot is working with teams to build cohesiveness through effective communication. She's going to share with us the assessment tool that she uses to begin the conversation. She's going to actually walk us through what she does from the time that she begins an engagement through how she sets that up. Because I often hear from coaches I don't know about this team or group coaching thing. How do I even begin to think about it? So I asked Ellen to get that nuts and bolts with us and really get into how does she set up an engagement? What is she thinking about? What steps does she take? So before we dive further into the content for today and introducing you to the fabulous Ellen Zimmerman, I just want to welcome you to the Star Coach Show, especially if you're new to the show, and to let you know that each and every week we're going to explore strategies, tools, and resources, the acronym for STAR, to help coaches and leaders be more effective in their communication, to help entrepreneurs build their business, because very truthfully, too many coaches fail at becoming successful business owners, and that keeps you from bringing your brilliance into the world. So as an executive coach and a coach instructor, I am passionate about getting more coaching into the world, helping us communicate in a way that is effective, that opens our ears, sometimes closes our mouths, and allows us to build understanding, appreciation for one another, and change the way we're having communication in the world. Because very truthfully, we need to improve that in this world. So that's what I do. And I do that through this podcast. I do that through the mentor groups that I run, the Star Coach member community, the executive coaching I do and the training I do with leaders to help them build their confidence and competence as leaders by using coaching as a leadership style. So as we are solidly into the month of June, I know that fall probably feels long away. However, it's really right around the corner. So my last mentor group of the year begins 
at the end of the summer and provides mentor coaching for those of you who need to recredential, for those of you who want to earn some core competency credits, and very truthfully, most importantly, to build skills, reconnect with the competencies, and feel more confident in your coaching. So I'm currently enrolling for the fall program. It's already beginning to fill. It's maxed out at 10 coaches. That's a small amount. So I just wanted to let you know, if that's something that's on your agenda, the time to act is now. Explore the program at starcoachshow.com slash mentor. That's starcoachshow.com slash M-E-N-T-O-R. Now, let's talk about our guest today. Dr. Ellen Zimmerman is the owner of Ellen Zimmerman Consulting, LLC. She also teaches graduate and undergraduate human resource and leadership courses at Lamar University. She is a co-lead for the International Coaching Federation's Executive and Leadership Community of Practice. By the way, if you have not yet checked out the ICF Communities of Practice, oh my gosh, you're missing an opportunity there. Log in to coachfederation.org when you have an opportunity and search for Communities of Practice. Such a wealth of knowledge free resources, especially if you're a member of the ICF. It's good stuff. And Ellen being a co-lead of the executive and leadership community of practice, ooh, that makes that well worth visiting as well. She's also the vice president for the Texas Coaches Coalition. Uh, and she's one of a limited number of Dare to Lead facilitators. She was selected and trained directly by Brene Brown. She's really fabulous. Ellen believes that creativity is the key to learning in everything from coaching questions to the development of learning opportunities and strategic planning. The best way to get unstuck is to do things differently. Love that. And I love all that she shared in her interview with us today. We're diving into how organizations can change when teams operate more collaboratively and cohesively. And how do we do that? We communicate differently. And a way to communicate differently is to better understand one another. We're going to dive into all of that. So put on your seatbelts. This is an awesome interview. I am excited to introduce you to Dr. Ellen Zimmerman. Dr. Ellen Zimmerman, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Well, thank you, Meg. I'm really excited about being here today. You are doing some incredible work in the world. I have had the honor and pleasure of working with you as you added coaching to your toolbox. I was honored to be able to mentor you through that. And we were talking recently at a conference that we were both at about the work you do and and the passion that you have for helping teams communicate more effectively, more more cohesively and collaboratively. And I thought, oh, that's a conversation we need to have. So we're going to be talking today about 
communication, how everyone has their own style. How do we help teams kind of learn about uh, one another's style so that, that they can see through a different lens? That's one of my favorite things to say is like, you know, I get the lens I'm looking through, but if I better understand the lens that my colleagues are looking through, it might just help us communicate a little bit better. Uh, not that I'm going to necessarily step into that lens as this other person, but if at least I can understand it a little bit more. And then we're going to talk about motivation and difficult conversations. I mean, we're going to talk about so many wonderful things. So everybody put on your seatbelts. Ellen and I are going for a wonderful ride and we're inviting you on this ride with us. So let's start, Ellen, in what was it about working with teams and you know, kind of stepping into that place of let's help teams be more collaborative through the concept of communication. What was that that sort of hooked you? I think it just goes back to so many years in human resources. And so many times I found that you would be talking to different leaders and and different employees at times. They'd say the same thing differently and they didn't hear it. So that, that, frustration that they had. It was just so real. And um, I didn't know it at the time, but I have a really high EQ, emotional quotient. So I feel things for people basically. And, uh, you know, it just, for me, it, it was painful. I could tell for people. They were frustrated. They were trying to work through things and they were saying the same thing differently. So I just really felt that there was a better way to communicate and to help people clarify what they're trying to say and come to a consensus. And, um, and I also always said that if there's an elephant in the room, we're going to have a conversation and it's staying for the conversation. So, so I okay. think that there's so many things that, that we can get past and be more innovative and work together and be more productive or helpful, whatever the, the role is you're doing, if you understand each other better. So that opportunity to have the conversation. And then I will say that um, years later also, I had training uh, through Fierce Conversations, and that was an amazing experience where it really helped you learn to listen better. And then, of course, coaching, which, like I said, you know, you helped me walk that path. So coaching was one of the most useful training, even if I wasn't in human resources or I wasn't going to be a coach. Mm-hmm. The skills you get from that coaching, I mean, you knew that. You, you know how to listen. Right. And, uh, and I can talk a lot when I talk. And when I coach, I put that away. It's not about me. I love the, the, the concept being an HR leader, seeing things sort of from a different perspective, because you're not in the weeds that the leaders that you're working with are, and you're able to see from a different perspective. Can you hear that you're all arguing the same point from a different perspective? And they couldn't because they were in the weeds of the way that they looked at it. And it usually and, means it's in their heart. You know, it's a right. At that point. It's passionate. And it's mm-hmm. so that this is the way that I see it. And 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 that perspective that you came from is a, hopefully a perspective that we can do as a coach as well. We're the outside mm-hmm. eyes, the outside ears, and are able to see things from a different place and hopefully help open up that aperture a little bit so that we can say, what do we have in common here instead of just, you know. What are the differences in that perspective? So when you think about engaging with teams, uh, first of all, I know that that is just a booming industry right now 
in coaching, bringing in teamwork. We have a, you know, the ICF is now focused in on actually giving, you know, a specialty of team coaching. And if for those people who are listening, who maybe have never coached a team, what's the perspective that you take when you go in to coach a team versus an individual, if there's a shift at all in that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it is one thing. It's always somewhat caution because you realize you have people with different opinions and ideas. It is a lot around the words and the language because you can't be back to the other uh, example. You know, if you have two people that aren't hearing the same story, you can't just say, she's saying the same thing. I mean, right. you can't, you can't make it uncomfortable yeah. for people. Right. It's right. got to be more around the questions you ask differently, which is coaching skills, you know, to ask them differently. So people kind of create this reality or understanding themselves, but you have to do it in a way that they're together doing it and not confrontational. So when I, when I coach a t- group of people in a team, sometimes I'm a little more, um, how do I word this? Like, I'm not going to let them go down a path that feels aggressive or uncomfortable for people. I become so you're more sort of, of the safety moderator. railings. Exactly. So it's more of a moderation opportunity at that point, mm-hmm. keeping in mind that they all have the same end goal. One of the main things when I do any trainings with groups, I love to start with some little touch on their mission and values. Okay. And my ideal, if this is a good time, I'll explain my ideal training. Yes, please. That That's okay. a beautiful segue to that. Okay. So when I do a training with a group of people, you know, you always do that discussion with them. You find out, are they a team that's kind of intact? Or are they having some challenges? Kind of where are they in that? Even if they say, oh, we have great mission and values. We all know those. I'll say, okay, well, I'm going to touch on those for about five minutes, maybe. And the reason I do that is just that reminder to tie back to why are you here? So it helps people be in that right frame of mind to be in this discussion that may have challenging topics. And, you know, a lot of my background is healthcare. So always challenging topics in healthcare. Right. And, uh, but you anchor people. them into that similarity. I really do. I really do. And then a bonus with that when I do training for communication styles, which I, I'm a disc partner. So I use that tool a lot is that we'll go into that discussion about the styles, like you mentioned earlier. So then we, we do this understanding of their style personally, mm-hmm. and then the other styles and why they're different. And the key to that discussion is getting them to the point where they understand the priorities are different and they're all amazing priorities. So there's not a bad priority just because you're the person that wants detail, detail, detail. You know, that priority is you want to get it right. You don't have to do it over. And you want the team to look successful. And then you have the people who are, are more push, push, push. And maybe you don't see that softer side of them very often, but their heart's in what they do. And it could be anything from A to Z, you know, a personal situation or just their style that they want to get things done and be successful. And you have that. people that are, are bubbly, which obviously I'm I'm an eye person. <laughs> My eye may have shifted a little bit over time to be more directive and getting things done. Now it's actually a lot more supportive, but I've always been this energetic person. That's an eye. Doesn't mean I can't get things done though. You know, that's sometimes the, the drawback. So having this understanding of all the four styles and then having this understanding of why they are that style, you know, what makes them that way? What are their priorities? 
So you've got the mission values, the styles, the understanding of what that means I focus on and prioritize. It's hard not to roll into a working session after that and work together and lose all of that little confrontational bickering or whatever may be going on in the team from time to time. It's hard to do that. And uh, I like Brene's quote, you know, people are people, people are people. And they're all different and we're supposed to be too. So (laughs) love that. Now let's take, and I'm going to ask everybody who is more familiar with this for your patience for just a second. I'm going to ask Ellen to go a little more into the weeds to help anybody who's like, but I've never done this. So kind of what's the order? So you talked about that you use the DISC assessment as one of the tools to set the stage for understanding so that you can spotlight the strengths of each of those categories and shift perspective a little bit so that I can maybe better understand somebody who's coming at me with a D when I'm an I kind of thing. But let's let's get into the weeds for just a second. You get this team assignment. You've gotten a new engagement. How are you going to set that up? Like from, and I don't mean like the, but I mean, like, do you send out the disc to everybody first? I mean, can you tell just a little bit, help everybody who has never set the table to set the table a little bit? Okay. So basically, you know, you have the discussion with the leaders or the person that's reached out to you to kind of get a feel. And my question to them is always going to be, what are your challenges right now? And what are the challenges you're facing? Because that helps formulate where they are and and what can be most useful for them. And the other part of that, as I'm having that discussion about the challenges, my mind just automatically goes to process. You know, what am I going to do for that? And what activity am I going to do for that? I am never the talking head that's going to tell you everything you need to know. Everything I do will be an activity, if at all possible. You know, I think even if they were strapped into airplane seats. I'd have them turning and talking to each other or something. Right, right. right. <laughs> so so it doesn't matter the, the way the room's set up. I'm going to flip that somehow into an activity. Um, so kind of get to tell you this end piece and then I'll back up again. But, you know, so it flips into an activity. If they're, they're whole people, just like coaching, they have all the answers. They know it better than me. So if they happen by chance to get through this activity and we've missed something I feel important to them, I'll follow up and fill that in. But I'm not going to say, yeah, I was going to say that. Right, <laughs> I'm not going right. to do that. But they own it. And that's the point is they own it after that. So to back up into this process, talk about what their challenges are to identify kind of what activities or what tools will help them in order to focus. Um, and then the, the disc, you know, that's distributed probably a week or two ahead, depending on how big the team is and how challenging it challenging that it might be for them to have time, which is only like 10 or 15 minutes to do the desk. So it's very cost-effective time-wise and everything. Um, Then I'll collect that before the session. Sometimes talk to the leader before that. The vast majority of the time they're good and they're just, they're ready for the information altogether. We'll have the assessments for the individuals and take those to the event. And so typically when it's a full-blown desk, Mm-hmm. We'll do the mission and values, kind of step into that some, and then we'll go into the DISC debrief, basically. So you debrief the whole team together. Together. And that's the key. It's not an intelligence test. It right. is a communication style test. And there is nothing that you should be um, intimidated by sharing that with someone else. It's how they know to better communicate with you. Right. And the the beauty is when the team 
all knows that same language. So we, we always tell people, put this on the door, or put your, your style or something on the door so that they can see your style when they come to talk to you. You know, be sure to share that among the team. Because there's no bad style. There's strengths no. and sort of a shadow side to every one of our strengths that we just need to be, I mean, every one of our styles that we just need to be aware of. Right, right. And I think the the reports do a great job of outlining what it means for the individual. And then it, it helps you to see the other styles and how you communicate better with them as well. So we all have all four styles, basically. Right. Prioritize one or two more than others. And I will say, depending on what's going on, you may even learn to adapt a little more and be able to venture into some of the other styles communication of communication better. So we do that. Then the team's all on the same page and there's, there again, activities, tons of activities. So you're all getting to know each other. And I can tell you, I laugh. I tell people this all the time. I've only had one person ever say, that's not me when they got their style back. It was my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 from the outside looking in, were you like, oh yes, that is you. She kind of wore it for a while and thought okay. about it. And I okay. think she sees some similarities there. But uh, my family, we actually have all four styles when you look at all of us. <laughs> well, and since not everybody is familiar with the disc, this isn't necessarily an interview about the disc. But since right. we're talking about it, let's go ahead and what are the four styles that are represented okay. through the disc? Well, it's D-I-S-N-C. And that's basically the more dominant style that really pushes to get things done. The I, that's the very energetic, enthusiastic person, still pushes to get things done, but very people focused. Then you have the S that's more around uh, supportive, and they have different words for each one as well, but very people focused as well, and also more detail focused. Okay. And then the C, of course, is the conscientiousness and very detail focused. And they're the ones that are going to keep you on track and make sure that they, they ask the right questions to make sure everything's good to go. So, so if example, you think about those styles, you can see how having a little of all of those styles makes for a more collaborative, conducive team. If everybody was a D or if everybody was a C, and yes, mm-hmm. we all have those aspects in us, but yeah. having more predominantly a mix makes for a, a a more colorful team, I would think. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, people understand the priorities from each, each person. And then when you actually do, if you have an organization or a team that have a little bit of a gap, it's just to be aware. So you know, you have to make up for that. You don't right. have to have all the styles. But it's important to know what all the styles bring so that right. you're aware of where those gaps are and just cognizant of it, huh? Exactly, exactly. And so when we do the training and we we understand the styles as well at that point, so many times people will say, oh, you're the same as me. I didn't even realize that. You know, some of the people that have challenges communicating, they're like, oh, well, I just need to communicate like I would want and you're going to be fine with that. So the, a lot of learning about the best ways to communicate. And one more key thing that's in there that ties in with with this training and the way I do it is there's a section that tells you what your motivators and stressors are. Yes. Yes. Let's talk a little bit about that. I love that part because if you have a person who does not like somebody to come and yell at them, that just, they know that's a, a trigger for them or something that they're not going to respond well, it would kind of shut them down if you came in 
and ask them or approach them with a, a challenge or project that way. And what we tell them, you know, we write it down and we say, okay, hold up, hold up your little block right there and say, okay, that was my stressor. Can you come back in about 15 minutes? Let me reframe and, and let's try this again. And it could just be the person was really uh, anxious to solve a, a, an issue that popped up or something. But using the, the knowledge of what motivates and stresses people works well between teams also. Because if you have a person who loves to work with a team, that's the person you're going to get to be on the team that, that can encourage people and pull people into the product or process or change management situation that you have. So motivators and stressors to me are almost as important as understanding what style you are. Right. Now, mm-hmm. is it important to tap into the reasons why we are the style that we are? Or does that end up just taking us down a path that is non-productive? I'm curious about that. Yeah, I mean, I will light touch on that. But for me, that's so much about history and experiences and the person. And I'll say personally, from the, all the things I know about me, I know exactly where they came from. You know, Now, hindsight, of course, I, I can tell why I'm who I am. I, I see it clearly. And a lot of times people, if you spend time and think about all of that, you'll you'll see it as well. But that part's really not so important as understanding your style, the other styles, and how to communicate and the priorities. Because right. once we've had all of that interaction in the meeting, we move forward. I love to do a working session. So typically it's a working session. And then after all of that, you, you know why you work there and values and issues, you you understand your style and other people, you understand their priorities. It just feels so much more respectful in the room. For me, it's just ideal. I don't know what else to say about that. People can't push against each other after doing that for two or three, depending on how many hours, what we've done. Um, they work together and it is a great opportunity for strategic planning or just, you know, process improvement, developing whatever it is you're working on the challenge. It's great. And I stay for that. So I stay for that and I help develop activities that make them think differently or fit differently with what they would typically do. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it does. So can you give an example of some kind of activity you might do? Because you've worked now, you've had a communication that sort of has taken everybody from being different to that we're all sort of at the same table. We're bringing ourselves and now we understand ourselves better. There's not Mm -hmm. like, oh, that person's never going to understand me or I just don't get that person. Now I do get that person a little bit better. So now we're at a table where mutual respect is, is very much a part of what we're all the, what we're all eating together. So with that, <laughs> what might be some of the activities that you would, or an example of an activity maybe that would further this, I, I'm thinking kumbaya, but this <laughs> moment of us, let's get things done together instead of pulling against one another. Right. I will always look for a more creative opportunity. So that might be that you have wallpaper and I tell you to draft out your view of, you know, your priorities or your view of, gosh, there's so many different things that they could be working on. And, and right. one example is also a timeline on the wall. So okay. it's not sitting in traditional paper that you've got in front of you with a spreadsheet. We do it hands-on, on the wall. Trying to get people up and moving and engaging. 
Right. And if you're a person who works in spreadsheets all the time, I'm going to try to push you to join pictures or something like that. And if you're a person that's more um, more of a creative person, then I might have you do something that's a little more rigid in a table. So opportunities to turn it around or scenarios. I love to create scenarios and take people out of maybe their world scenario, but do something that's kind of aligned with that for a different group of people that work in a different industry altogether. So here's this issue. No, you won't have all the exact answers, but think through this process. What would that look? So any opportunity to kind of flip it on them and expect something different. And I, I think a lot of facilitators and trainers and people are hesitant to do that because they're like, oh, they're not going to work with markers. They're not going to like this. No, I mean, they're fine. They're fine with it. Adults mm-hmm. like to play too. Right. And sort of turning it on its head and making something different and a little challenging is what people remember as well. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And nobody's wrong. Right. Nobody's wrong with that. And, and uh, a quick example of if this works for timing, there's research that was done with children and it was where they would bring in art. So it could be any paintings, pictures, whatever it was. And they would put it in front of like kindergarten and first grade young children. And they asked them to tell them what they see. So the lady that, and I don't remember her name, this was in Louisiana. She did a training and she talked about this. And there was an example where this had been used. And she said, this little boy that never spoke, spoke up. And he said what he saw. Because when it was that creative, open opportunity, what do you see? You can't lie about that. You're not going to make anything up. Right. You're safe with answering. Right. Because so, you're not going to be wrong. You're not going to be wrong. So that opportunity to use creativity opens up both sides of people's mind. And you just right. really get a better solution, I think. So what does engaging both sides of the mind and getting people up and and now we've you know sort of set the stage that we better understand one another, we're working out of mutual respect, yet there's still difficult conversations that need to happen. Mm-hmm. Or there's still like, this isn't necessarily going to mean that everybody is in alignment and sees everything the same. So how mm-hmm. does this help in the engagement around, you know, potentially conversations that might be heated? We'll be back to my interview with Dr. Ellen Zimmerman right after this. Have you fallen into a pattern with your coaching that maybe you're thinking, I could go deeper with my clients, I'm just not sure how. Or maybe you're in that place of being unsure about your coaching because you don't get to do it as often as you'd like, and you're not able to confidently invite people into work with you for the transformation of coaching because you're just not certain of your skill set anymore. The truth is, any time that we have a skill, we need to keep sharpening the saw and keep a focus on our development. I invite you to consider mentor coaching to sharpen that saw, zero in on your competencies, and build your mastery as a coach. And for anybody who's recredentialing as an ACC, it's a requirement anyway. And for you PCCs out there who want to sharpen your saw, 
Do you know that mentor coaching goes towards core competency continuing education credits? I'm about to launch my final program for 2023. And if you're interested in mentoring, I invite you to explore it now. Go to starcoachshow.com slash mentor, starcoachshow.com slash mentor, and join us for a dynamic group of working together with other coaches and having individual time with me to build your coaching muscles and strengthen the way that you're engaging with your clients. So once again, that's starcoachshow.com slash mentor. Now let's get back to the show. Okay. And there again, so when something's hated, you realize they're really in, you know, that's, that's a hard thing. They've got, I love that you keep doing that. That's tapped into their heart. That's tapped into their passion. It's not a negative. It's a different perspective, different perspective. So that appreciation as you move through that is very important. A lot of times if that happens, it'll be questioning again. And and sometimes that's where people rolling into that difficult conversation, they're shutting down because they don't want to have the difficult conversation. So that's that opportunity to ask more questions about maybe the one party asked them, okay, tell me more details about that. Why do you think that would not work? And they may say them. And then that's just kind of opening up. It's the onion, peeling the onion to find out where is this coming from and to find out, is there fact in it? Is it just the way we've always done things and you're stuck there? Or what else can we say about that? And on both sides. So I, at that point, I mean, I don't step right in there and I ask questions and push, right you know? I'm not on the team, but sometimes it's it's the group coaching, which I actually didn't right. realize that's connected so well to. It's that staying third party mm-hmm. until it's that facilitation moment or negotiation. It's kind of borderlining there mm-hmm. where you um, to identify better questioning, dig into it a little deeper. So, so you're both more- role modeling and sort of teaching and hopefully once again, opening up that aperture. Right, right. And it's the language there again, I keep going back. It's the words and the language. It's like, okay, excuse me, I'm going to stop you just for a minute because I have a question. And what's so fun about that? I mean, I've worked with a lot of different times and I just have to brag. I love working with NASA. I've worked with the NASA team and they're amazing. So it's great. And this is an example about them, but you know, teams in general, if you just ask them to tell more of the story that they know that everyone else hasn't heard, the ahas and the opportunities to dig deeper into it just come about. So getting people comfortable with what might be going into a difficult conversation Mm -hmm. is about how you ask them. Maybe that, excuse me, I'm going to ask this question. I don't know the answer. Obviously I'm not in this industry and I can kind of use that as a third Mm -hmm. party. When you have someone come in, it's so useful because no one feels threatened or, I don't know whatever word it would be, but because you're asking out of genuine curiosity, a genuine question. Yeah. Yeah. So that question, hopefully I'm fairly close when I ask a question with some knowledge there, (laughs) but asking that question, it reframes their response in a way that an outsider or third party can understand. So you're bringing your explanation to a 
less challenging level mm-hmm. for someone to understand and interpret. And sometimes that helps the two people understand, oh, that's what you're saying. Love that. Love so it's that. using me, but it's also they're hearing the same thing. Right. That gets said. Okay. And you know, that the only conversation they say is that's a bad one is the one you don't have. That's that's the one to be scared of, is the one that you don't go into because you don't know the whole story. Love that. So for anybody who's listening who's like, well, I'd be intimidated if conflict came up or whatever. I you know, think about Ellen's perspective there. Conflict comes up because people are passionate about something. Their heart's in it. They It means something to them. So get curious about it. Ask for the story. And others will be hearing that. And there's a safety also in you sort of being the person to step in there and ask because you don't have a perspective. You don't have, you're not trying to lead them in any particular direction. You're genuinely curious about it. Right, right. And it, it's really, I think it's a very, it's a nice way to help people. If you see that frustration going on between people without it being, you know, just try to take that confrontation piece off. It's about clarity. You know, it's about clarity and Brene Brown training. Okay. It's in me all the time now. So dare to lead. One of the things is clear as kind, unclear as unkind. And that was probably a quote that stuck with me so uh, predominantly because it, it's true. You know, if you are clear and give somebody the right instructions, they'll be successful. And and that's kind when we talk about the the work setting. I can remember times, not too many, thank goodness, but I can remember times when I had an assignment or was told to work on whatever. And you know, if you do something and then it's not what somebody wanted, oh, that's just like, that just kills me. Because that's, I do things because I want to help people. And I like- Well, and you put the energy and the time to to be that way. And then to hear that, no, that wasn't at all what I wanted. Yeah. So, you know, being clear of what you really need from me is important and and not just me to most people. And I think that has a a direct connection to another topic that we we could talk about all day too. And that would be retention of employees, that satisfaction and feeling that you've been useful. So I think it's important. So, so good. I would love to continue to talk to you about this. We are beginning to run out of time. So my question to you is when we think about communication on teams, we think about using an assessment or some kind of tool to help to begin that discussion and help people better understand one another. And then, and I thought you just did a beautiful job of sort of setting up, this is what it might look like if you're working with a team, get people up, get people moving, get them out of their comfort zone and off their butts really in many (laughs) ways. So what if anything, do you you know want to share as we're wrapping up that might be sort of left on the table? I guess a few things, just the communication. The We can't be afraid to have the conversations. I mean, that's the challenge in the world today are the conversations that we tiptoe around and we don't actually have. I, I think it's all about making a clear statement of your intent in the conversation. And I use this a lot. We end up in a topic that's potentially a hot topic or might make someone uncomfortable in the room because I'm very aware of comfort in the room. And I will tell people that, okay, we're going to have this conversation. And I just want to tell you now that, you know, I, I'm in this conversation for the right reasons. If I don't say something that sounds right or feels right, please tell me because I don't know what I don't know. And I, we have to have help with that. You know, if we say something that's not right. So being aware of the language and the words you're using and being conscious that there are things you don't know. 
and being open to the feedback for people to help you learn what you don't know. So clarifying the intent in a conversation, you can do that anytime. You know, a heated room, it doesn't have to be a hot topic. A heated room with a, a challenge on a team, you can say that. We're in here, We back to values mission. We're all here for a purpose. And this is our common goal. So how can we lose everything else and focus on getting these results or meeting this challenge? So good to, to bring it back to the commonality, bring it back to the value, the mission, the reason we're all together. Anchor people back into that. So, so, so good. Right. Ellen, I'm going to have links in the show notes for people to be able to connect with you. Is there a favorite way for you, for people to learn more about you and the work that you do? Yes. You can go to my website at lnzconsulting.com. The last name Zimmerman. And you can also find me on LinkedIn under Ellen L. Zimmerman. Excellent. Ellen, such a joy to spend time with you. You are one of those people that has done a these amazing trainings. You have this incredible background and that you're willing to step into this space and help all of us be better through sharing your experience. I just really appreciate your time and energy with that. You are so welcome, Meg. It's always a pleasure to speak to you anytime. It is really exciting for me to see what coaches are bringing into the world. And I guess especially exciting for me when it's a coach that I had a part in their training and their development. It's a really wonderful thing. So if you want to know more about Dr. Ellen Zimmerman and the work that she does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 343, starcoachshow.com slash 343 and grab the links to be able to connect with Ellen. I often tell the coaches that I work with and all of you who listen, we've got to get out into the world and share our message. So how are we going to do that? That's what we're talking about next week with my guest, Ronnie Lieber. Ronnie is a TV host. He is a keynote speaker, and he's going to be telling us, how do you get on TV? And when you get on TV, how do you captivate your audience so that they're hanging on your every word and you're invited back? So that's what we're talking about next week. Be sure to come back next week so that we can figure out how do we get on TV and captivate our audience. If you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving a rate and review wherever you listen so that more people find our show. And until next week, This is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week.